How many of you guys consider yourselves picky eaters? Any of you guys? Like, yeah, I'll only eat things a certain way. Or, you know, the, the thing that goes around social media and they're like, you know, check mark all these things you won't eat or something. And you're like, I just hit select all because, like, they're all gross things and I don't want any of those stuff. Um, I grew up really picky. I was uh, a picky eater by, um, like, nurture from my parents because they're both very picky. Um, we were often the family at the restaurant who was, like, sending all their food back or going back up because, like, something wasn't right on it because we, my parents would only eat things, like, a really particular way. Like, my dad growing up, he would go to McDonald's and he'd get just a burger patty, like, no ketchup, nothing on it, no bun, you know, just the patty wrapped in some paper. Uh, you know, he's grown up a little bit. He gets ketchup on it now. And, uh, but, yeah, I, I, he's a few steps ahead of that. But if there's vegetables on it, he's probably not going to eat it. Uh, and now that's the way, like, that I grew up. I, I used to be that way. I got saved. And um, now, now I eat food pretty much any way that it comes. Um, but I still enjoy food a certain way. Like, if it's up to me to make the decision on how I'm making my food, I'm still going to prepare it the way, like, my preference wants it. Uh, and uh, because of that, I still, I eat things, like, in a certain order. How many of you guys do that? Like, you, you get your food, and you're like, I work from, like, my least favorite to my most favorite. Um, that's how I do it, because I want, like, the best taste left in my mouth, right? Um, you know, there's, like, there's a certain way. I'll, I, I don't... I'm not usually like a hop around and eat a little bit of a section at a time. I'm usually a, a, like I eat all the rice before I eat the beans. Unless they're good together, then maybe I'll make some. Um, you know, those type of things. But I want like the main course to be the last thing left in my mouth. Um, anybody opposite where you eat the, the best part first because you can't wait? Like, yeah. Uh, I'm glad you're here. You need to get saved. Uh, I had a friend growing up um, who looked at, like, when he got a chip out of the bag, he would look at it to see which side had the most flavor on it and put that side on his tongue down, like, because he's like, you know, I want to enjoy the most out of every single one of these chips. Uh, you know, I'm not that crazy, um, but I, I definitely have, like, a, a preference in how I want to eat things. And now, I think we have these preferences in life. Right, where we were just whether we were raised with them, whether it's things that we just naturally started doing, and then they became habits in our lives. We're just going to talk more about habits next week. But um, we have these things in our lives in, in an order of how we do them, whether they were taught to us or they came naturally to us. And so we're starting a series this year called First Things First. And I want to start off 2024 going over our priorities and our preferences in life and talk about what does God say should be first in our life? What things in our life should we be putting first, the, the best things first. You know, unlike eating where we might eat the, the worst thing and, and leave the best thing for last, we tend to, like, that sneaks into kind of our life. We tend to put God last because we're like, we save the best for last. And, and God should be the first. Right? And so, you know, as we wrap up the end of the year, as 2023 is wrapping up and we we're into 2024 now, many of us were thinking about what are the changes we're going to make? Any of you guys make, like, New Year's resolutions, like, write them down, like, that level? Oh, good. You guys are not crazy. I don't write them down either. So uh, my hand was only up, so those, that one other person didn't feel alone. Uh, right, but how many of you are thinking about stuff, right? I know, like, I ate 20 pounds worth of food, and so now my goal to lose this year is 50 pounds um, because, I, you know, I had a goal last year, and I, I, I did the opposite, um, 
Anybody else? No, just me. Okay. Uh, but, like, we have these goals where we're thinking about it. We're starting a new year. New year, new me, new whatever. You know, I'm going to try and do all these things. But I want you to maybe put a pause on some of those things you've been thinking about as we go through this series. Don't let them slip out of your mind because they're important to you. They're important things. But as we talk about how God wants us to prioritize our life, I want you to make sure that there's space to make these adjustments that God wants us to have. Now, God is our first, first things first, obviously, um, for you guys. But I want to talk about why and what does it look like in our lives to do that. Right? We should be turning to him first in everything. You know, he shouldn't be the, the best for last. He should be the, the main thing that we're turning to every moment. And I think because of the culture of our nation that, that we live in, we have a tendency because of entertainment, because we have so many things to distract us, so many other things that can satisfy us for a moment or make us happy or or makes make things better we do turn to god last and it's not even purposeful it's not we're doing it intentionally we just are so used to the instant gratification of of the other things we have in our phones in our pockets or our relationships we have in our lives or the things we can find on tv or the internet or that we have access to because of the money we have we don't turn to god first but we need to make him first now, this isn't something that we just all of a sudden started struggle with, you know, in our time. This is something that goes all the way back to the beginning that God had to remind his people to make him number one, right? And towards the very beginning, Exodus 20, verse 3, the first of the Ten Commandments, you must not have any other God but me. Other versions say above me, right? Because he is supposed to be number one. Not too much longer in Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5. It says, listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. Right? And then throughout the prophets, they were constantly, guys, you've forgotten about God. You've forgotten who's this person supposed to be in your life. And, and if you don't turn back to him, you're going to go away and you're going to end up in captivity or you're going to end up losing all the stuff that you have. And what do they do? They forget about God and they start to put other things first in their lives and all those things start to happen because they got their priorities off track. You know, and then Jesus comes back into the scene and he says, guys, remember what's the most important thing? Right, in Matthew 22, 37, he is asked, what is the greatest commandment? And it starts with, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. He said it in Matthew 6, 33, another way he said, seek first the kingdom, and then everything else will be added unto you. Right? We have to seek him first. But there's something with this all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength language. And I think that we need all of those pieces to be able to prioritize God to be first in our lives. And so we're going to talk about these pieces and, and what does it look like for us. And um, so with all of your heart, when it says, love God with all your heart, I believe at the time that Jesus was using these words, the, the word heart was considered the seat of emotions. Right? It is where everything emotional in your life existed was your heart. And so to love God with all your heart is that the feelings of falling in love, right? The, the kind of the, the giddiness maybe around it. it. It's what love is all about, right? We have a, a holiday called Valentine's Day that exists to, to celebrate this idea of, falling in love, the, the feels you get when someone starts to 
flirt with you back, the way your heart flutters, you know, when you say I love you to someone and they touch your hands, they're finally able to fart around you, you know. You know, maybe when you're, you're hugging and it's like an embrace that you've just never felt before, it, it, it makes things feel differently. When they whisper nice things in your ear, like you smell different when you're awake. Uh, now, you know, maybe it's just the, those things of just spending the time together, right? And it feels different than when you're just with your other friends or with your family. There's this new emotional thing happening inside you, this love for God. To love God with all your heart means to make a commitment that God can satisfy your emotional needs. Psalm 16.5 says, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. Right? In other words, he is what satisfies you. The, the word of portion is used because they, they talked a lot about um, sacrifices of animals or of food and things of those days. And so a portion was your meal allotment. Right? And when, so when, God, when David is saying, you are my portion, he's saying, you are what satisfies me. You are what I need to make it through my day. You are my portion and my cup, my entire meal. He is to be what satisfies us. When we are emotionally lacking something, we need to find it in God. Right? That's when it starts to become a first priority. When you turn to him first, when you realize I need something more in my life that I don't have right now, and you may start looking for it in your relationship or maybe just looking for a relationship. You need to start first with God. I think this is hard for us, for those who are in relationships. Maybe you've been married for a long time, or even if you're seeking out a relationship. Because even in marriages, it's easy to turn to your spouse to say, you're supposed to satisfy this in me. David had a bajillion wives, and, and literally all these women in his life, but yet realized that God was his portion in those cups. Your spouse, your significant other, your uh, you know, future relationship you're longing for, is never going to satisfy you. It's not who satisfies you. It is God. And when we're not turning to him first, we will find ourselves lacking because he is what is supposed to satisfy. Now, it's kind of a weird thing because to love God with all, all of our heart really starts with understanding how much God loves us. Pastor Noah spoke about this in our Advent series a little bit, but 1 John 4.19 says, we love each other because he first loved us. But we can't really love until we know who love is, and that's God. Have you ever seen one of those couples where, like, you're not really sure how they got together? Like, one's, like, maybe, like, an 11 out of 10, and the other one, like, it'd be rude to put a number on, so we'll just say they have a nice personality. Um, <laughs> you know, but, I mean, have you ever seen those couples, right? And you're like, I just don't understand how that works, right? Well, that relationship usually works. Because no one will love you better than someone who does, feels that they don't deserve you. Right? And that's why, you know, I'm like, Victoria and I still work. Um, I obviously have a good personality. Um, but when you start to understand how the creator of the universe loves you, it becomes pretty easy to love him back. Because compared to God, we're just not even a nice personality. You know, we're really almost nothing to the perfect creator of the universe who has chosen to send his son to die for you. And he loves you that much that, that you were worth the biggest sacrifice of in his life. That should remind us to love him back, right? Because we don't deserve that. And we're going to dig into that a little bit deeper at the end. But 
I think this is the hardest area to love God because it's not an action necessarily. It's not just something that we can go and do because it's something that we have to accept. We have to understand and accept that God loves us a lot. And it's really hard for us because often we don't love ourselves that much. We struggle to accept who we are and how he's created us and all the things that we're going through in life. And so why would that creator, this perfect being, choose to love me? But he does. And he chooses you over and over and over and over again. And he wants to love you. He wants to come into your life and satisfy all the longings that you have that that isn't being satisfied by the world around you. It's the song that we sing, the reckless love of God, right? We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But he still chooses to love us. In actions, loving God with our heart is allowing our love for him to show through. It's that love that may cause you to cry during worship or or raise your hands or or maybe you're just so excited that you jump or you're you're doing some sort of action to reciprocate the love back to God. Right? It's what causes you on a a bad day to just go home and want to read your Bible or put on worship music and just spend time with God. Right? And following through with those actions. Right? It's just like if you had a bad day, right? You're like, I need to tell someone, and you want to call your best friend. You want to get home and talk to your spouse. Right? You, that's a, an action of love by showing that you're the person that I want to share this info with. And so we go to God, and we, we share that stuff with him. Or maybe, you know, we're, we're finishing up towards the end of football season here, and you're thinking of cheering on your favorite sports team and when a good play happens, like you're off the couch and you're screaming and you're yelling and you're celebrating those type of things. Where that's, that's in action how we should be loving God that when we see the goodness of him in our lives, that it should cause us to want to worship, should cause us to want to celebrate the things that are going on and return that love back to them. That's loving God with our heart. If your goals that you've been considering for 2024 have to do with having better relationships or a better marriage or maybe finding a relationship, start first with your relationship with God, right? Are you really looking to God to fill your love tank? Are you really looking to him to satisfy all the things in your life? Because I can guarantee that you may be able to do some things to make your marriage better. You may be able to, you know, have a better friendship with someone by you know, working through these different steps that you found online. But they won't be any better than if you just start putting God first. And then he will start to restore all those things. Next, we were commanded to love God with our soul. Our soul is what comes alive again when we accept Jesus, when we go, Jesus, I want to be a follower of you. Our our soul comes alive inside of us. It gets awakened to the spirit realm. It's what died kind of when Adam and Eve sinned, and it's what becomes reawakened to God in us um, when we come to know him. And this is to love God spiritually with our soul. Now, our soul takes work. Our soul is all of that just natural stuff, the raw flesh of who you are as a person inside of you. And our soul is what can cause us to really to sin or to follow God. And before you come to God, our soul, like I said, it's, it's dead to the spirit. So it's fully flesh, which is like a biblical word, biblical word for not Christian. Um, it desires are selfish. Its desires basically wants to do what's good for itself. 
It's where our passions, it's where our dreams, it's where our personality, it's where all that lives inside of us. The, the subconscious things that drive our life, um, even just the desire to get food and to drink and all of that, it, it lives in our soul. Now when you come to God, and you come to know him, there's things in our soul that start to clash with the things of God, right? Because you can't be selfish and be a follower of Christ um, because it's the opposite of what we've been commanded to do. And so things start to clash, right? It's why fasting has an importance in Christianity because it tells our body that, hey, your needs aren't as important as God's needs. And it, it starts to put us in the right priority of our lives and showing our soul that like, no, my preference is God. So to love God with our soul first means that we need to get our soul to love God. Now that comes through those spiritual practices or the, what we call the habits of Jesus. Things like reading your Bible, praying, worshiping, meeting with other believers, and serving. And we're going to go deeper into what those things look like next week. But without those things, you will never come to love God. You may love him emotionally. You may understand the sacrifice that he made and want to love him back because you, you feel that desire to like, I need to love God. But until you actually start and maintain a relationship with him, you won't actually be in a position of choosing to love him back. You guys following? I kind of think of my soul like a dog. Um, growing up, we, our family dog that we had growing up, um, when we were sitting down around the dinner table, it knew the right place to hang out so that it could get fed, right? And it hung out between me and my sister uh, for two reasons. The, the opposite side of the table was my parents, and they would send the dog away if he hung out over there. Um, they'd, you know, get out of here, go lay down in the living room. But if he, he hid just enough under the table between my sister and I, he wouldn't get kicked out of the kitchen. So he was going to be there quicker to catch things that fell off the table. But secondly, he knew that my sister and I would feed the dog. Like, we would give him scraps, and so he hung out there. Now, our soul is very much the same as it. It will hang out with whatever side chooses to feed it, whether it's the world or it's the spirit, right? And if we're not choosing to feed it spiritually, it's going to hang out by the world because guess what? The world is constantly feeding you, right? And it, even without wanting to, when you drive down the road, there's billboards everywhere just talking about worldly things. There's advertisement. It, people, like there's a career in the world and all of us know about it, called marketing. And marketing and advertisement is geared towards reaching your soul's inner desires. And that, that's what it does. That's how it attracts you. It's why you buy things and later go, why did I buy this? Because it hit on some sort of need that you have internally and caused you to go, yep, I think I'm going to need this at some point in my life. And you make that purchase. Right? And so it's constantly being fed. People have full-time careers based off of feeding your soul, okay? And if we are not going out of our way and making time for the habits of Christ and for spiritual things to be feeding our soul, then it will be fed by the world, and then your natural tendency will be to choose the world. Right? And so we, that, that's the importance of these habits and making time for them. To love God with our soul is to love him with good habits that then develop into godly character. Right? And those habits will be easy if you're in love with God. Right? These habits are the things we saw Jesus do because he loved his father. Jesus didn't go and pray just because he was like, I need to check this thing off my list. Is No, he went to pray because he needed to spend time with God. 
He wanted to do that. He would get up early in the morning and get away with him because it was important to him to be with his father. So get to know the word. Spend time in prayer. Right? Take your Sabbath rest. Rest for your body is good. Gather with others. Make disciples. Right? This is the, the grow in Christ part of our purpose statement here at our church is all of these things. You know what's funny is it's sometimes like, man, I don't know if I can develop this habit of prayer. I don't know if I can do these things. But when you make a new friend, it's not like you're like, oh, got to start a habit of hanging out with these people. <laughs> right? Oh, like how hard, put it on the calendar, I guess, and I wake up for it. You know, I could just be not doing anything, but now I have to hang out with my friends. Right? Like we, we don't do that. But that's, that's what it is with God. It's how it should be. If we're really in love with God, if we really understand that we have this emotional connection with him and we love him with our heart, then hanging out with him is just something we will desire to do, right? But when you first meet someone new, it can be a little bit awkward, right? You're like, what questions do I ask? What things do they do? Am I going to say something that will offend them and then we'll never hang out again, you know? And you're like, well, they're being kind of quiet now. I've already said the thing, you know? And you go home and then you're like, they haven't texted me for a few days, you know, and you're like, maybe we're never friends, not friends. And then they message you, and you're like, oh, we are friends, right? And it's just, it's all weird kind of at first. And it's going to be like that with God when you're developing that relationship at first. You're going to go into a time with prayer, and you're like, I don't know if you heard me. Right? I probably said something that made him upset, right? He's probably, I don't know. I don't, if I show up there, is he just not going to be there next time? And, you know, and then you come to church, and you're like, uh, no, I think we're still good. I think, think things, I think things are fine. You know, so you go and hang out with him, and eventually you're like, actually, we are in a friendship. We're in a great relationship. And then it, you just hang out. And then your prayer time doesn't become just this hard thing or awkward thing to get into. It becomes the thing you look forward to because it's hanging out with the best person in the universe. John Mark Comer said this about the habits of Christ. He said, think of it like this. The end goal is life to the full with Jesus. The end is to spend every waking moment in the conscious enjoyment of Jesus' company. To spend our entire lives with the most loving, joyful, and peace peaceful person to ever live. Right? Man, that sounds awesome. Right? I want that. Right? And that's what these habits are supposed to do in us. They're not just a, a checklist of things to say, no, I'm a good Christian. Okay, it's, it's because I want to spend time with the guy that I love. Right, these habits help us spend time with Jesus. So not only do we become like him, but we learn to enjoy him. Now, to love God with all your strength. Jesus quotes the verse from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy says um, strength, and Jesus uses the word mind when he re-quotes re, uh, it in uh, the, the greatest commandment. But I believe altogether they, they're kind of uh, two pieces of a whole talking about us, to love him physically in knowledge, and in action. As your soul comes closer to God through our habits, your mind and body will begin to follow suit. Right? Like I said, the soul inside of you is constantly in this battle between choosing spiritual things or choosing the worldly things. And when our soul is hanging out with the spiritual, then our mind and our body start to follow suit. Loving God with our, with our strength means serving others, right? Laying our lives down for others, finding a place for us to do work for God. I just saw a, uh, I actually shared it on Facebook if you want to go back and look at it, but it's from Craig Rochelle. 
Um, but he talked about, you know, we, we're all called to full-time ministry. It doesn't mean that you'll be a youth pastor or a lead pastor or children's worker or things like that. But you're all called to full-time ministry. It just may be full-time at your job where you go to or where you go to school or, you know, your neighborhood that you're at. That we are all called to work for God with all of our life. Um, everything that we go to and everything that we're a part of, we are called to be an example of Jesus to those people and to bring those people to have a better knowledge of who he is so that one day they would choose to follow him, right? And so this is where that comes from, right? We love God with our heart and then our soul and then in our strength and our mind means we find a place to serve for him, right? If you're looking for a place to serve, we have a lot of places here in the church. You can scan the QR code in front of you or talk to uh, Jamie at the Resource Center after church um, to see where we have places for you to serve. But it could also be serving your community, it could be your, your neighbors. It could be feeding the homeless people around us or filling a, one of those pantry boxes or donating food somewhere or cleaning up the garbage that, that is being blown around by all the wind. Uh, it just means finding a place to serve, to use our physical body as a representation of Jesus' love into the world around us. And in our mind, it means having thoughts about God. Colossians 3, 1-2 says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. Philippians 4, 8 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We need to have our mindset on God and God's things. Right? How often are we thinking negatively about our lives, about the world around us, about yourself, right? and that we don't think in light of God? We're not thinking of everything that is true and honorable and right. That we're not thinking about what is lovely or excellent or worthy of praise. Right? Our, our world is almost teaching us to think of things so negatively, like the news channels and everything is just set up to show you the worst of the worst things to cause us to have these emotional reactions. And then that triggers our brain to consistently look at things through a negative light. When God is telling us, no, switch, think about the things of heaven. Think about what is true, what is pure, what is right. That loves God. Romans 12.1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Right? What is truly the way to worship God? To lay down our life, right? To live our life as a sacrifice, to serve. Being transformed into the image of God by changing the way that we think. You know, there's this uh, old, like, Greek philosopher, um, Descartes, something like that, Descartes. Just kidding. Uh, but he says, I think, therefore I am. Right? How many of you guys have heard that phrase? And you're like, I don't even know what that means, right? I think, therefore I don't understand. Uh, right, but maybe you've heard the phrase, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Right? Because this isn't just some 
philosopher thing. This isn't just some scientific thing. Like this is a real truth of the gospel that, that what we think is what starts to happen. And when we don't set our minds on the things of heaven, we start to start putting the worldly things first. Right? Because that's what we become. When all we think about is our life here and now and the, the physical things we're building and the, the world around us here, then that's where we end up dwelling. And I think a lot of us get stuck there when it comes to loving God and our priorities is we, we maybe love God with our heart, right? We understand his sacrifice. We're here because God loved us and so I want to honor him and I come to church and I, I worship, right? And maybe we, we love him with our soul because we, we've started some of the habits, Right? And we're, we're, we read our Bible enough and we pray every day and, you know, we, we, we do those things. Right? But then when it comes to looking at what the world is around us, we we're stuck on thinking these negative thoughts. We're stuck at just building what we can see in front of us with our eyes. We don't set our eyes on heavenly things, as Colossians said. Right? And so, therefore, we don't really prioritize God when it comes to the life we're building because we're focused on building what we see. If you put your mind on God and his things, the rest will follow suit. It really comes down to obedience at a physical level. First John 5, 2-3 says, We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Right? Sometimes we think, first off, man, that's going to be really hard. But I love that he, they threw that in John's like, don't worry, it's not burdensome. Right? That means it's not heavy, it's not hard to do what he's asked us to do. Remember, to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind is all the things we've talked about today. None of that's really difficult. Obeying God and thinking about the things of God is how we love him physically. Right? And it's not this like slave master version of obedience. It's a response to his love. A desire to live in a way that pleases him. Now, I know obedience can be like this trigger word sometimes, and I get that because churches have used obedience to try and control people or to manipulate people or abuse people, right? And that's not why we're here. We're not like, God says do this, so you better do it type of thing. But that doesn't mean that God still doesn't deserve obedience from us, right? I love my wife. Therefore, I try and do what she asks of me, right? Because I love her. Not because she's my master. I mean, we all know. But, uh, <laughs> right. But, <laughs> but right, like, that, that's, we do it because I, we love each other. So we listen to each other. And when someone says, hey, can you do this for me? I do it because I love them. Not because I'm like, oh, the, the obedience and the commands. I can't handle it. Right? It's like, no, I, I want to do that because she loves me. Like, and I love her. And that's how it is with God. Right? The problem is that we have with obedience, the reason it's that trigger for us is because the church taught us that loving God starts with obedience. But it doesn't start with obedience. Right? Remember, we love because God first loved us. It starts with him loving us. It starts with us receiving love. It starts in our heart. It doesn't start at, at the soul. It doesn't start at the strength, at the end and at the mind. It starts with the heart. It starts with receiving God's love and understanding it. Right? It's not love when you're just being told what to do. Right? I don't love my wife because I obey her. 
right? And she didn't love me at first because I obeyed her, right? We fell in love because we fell in love with who we were as people, right? For who I was, we, we started to spend time together because, like, I like being around this person. I like how it feels when we're together. And so we start hanging out and we learn about each other, right? And then we continue to make a choice to spend more time together. But I did go, you know, I'm going to pencil you into my schedule. Right? And it was a lot of time. Because she was worth it to me. Was worth it. But she still is worth it. Just want to, <laughs> don't want to get myself in trouble, okay? Um, so it's like, this is recorded. I just need to get it out there. Right? But we learned to live with each other. Right? And then when we weren't together, it didn't feel like living. Right? Because it's like now something's missing. And because of that love, I choose to do what she asks of me because I want her to continue to be in my life. I want to continue to show her that she deserves my love. Like, I want to pour it on her, and I want her to love me back. Right? And then that is obedience. It's not starting with obedience. It doesn't feel the same as when you just hear the word obedience. But that's what God asks of us. And I believe that all of these things that Jesus said was in this order for a reason. Heart, soul, and then strength. Because we need to first fall in love with God. Because he first loved us. And then we need to feed our souls to love God. To be in this constant communion with him so that our flesh, our, our just very being understands, no, we want to be around God. Right? I don't, like when Victoria is gone and I go to bed at night and our, the other half of my bed is empty. I don't constantly choose to go, wow, it feels a little empty here. My soul goes, this doesn't feel right. Right? Because it has learned that this is what we have in life. And so the more time you spend with God, it becomes that. It has become a, a longing in you to be with God. A longing to love him. And then our minds and our bodies will follow in obedience. Now, I think this cycle just continues forever. You're never like, I've reached it. I've achieved it. Done. You know, I'm just here and I'm in love with God. The end. I'm in love. I'm in love. I don't care who knows it, you know. <laughs> because the cycle kind of helps itself, right? When you're reading scripture, you're spending time with God, you're going to find new things about him that you didn't realize. It's going to make you fall in love with him again in your heart. Which then is going to be like, man, I can't wait till I get into the Bible again. And then you're going to read something and you're like, man, I, wanna, I want people to know that I love him, so I'm going to go and serve people around me. I'm going to go be who he is to me, to these people out there. Right? So when we're doing these things actively and correctly, we keep God number one. We prioritize him. He becomes our preference. But sometimes we have issues doing this, right? Our hearts fall more in love with other people, right? Or maybe they, they in our soul area, they start to fall in love with a different dream or a different passion, where all we want to do is go spend time with that person or, or seek after this new passion in our life. Right? Like I said earlier, it could become even an issue with our spouses or our, our new friends in our lives that we start to prioritize them. And so then God falls out of number one. Right? In our soul, we start living for ourselves and less for God. While self-care is important, we're going to talk about that because it is a priority thing in our lives. Real self-care starts with putting God first. Right? And so if you spend too much time on yourself and not enough time with God, then things aren't really going to fall in place like you're hoping. 
when sometimes we just put our physical efforts and our minds too much towards our jobs or our hobbies that we don't leave room to serve God. And he falls from first in our lives. Now when those things happen, we start to make new gods. It's what that first commandment was talking about, that you shouldn't have any other gods above me. Like, you know, you're probably not in your backyard carving a totem pole, you know, and like, I'm just going to bow down to this thing now, you know. Um, it's probably not happening in your life, but it is. Like, we should have a conversation. Uh, but right, the gods that we start to make are the things that we turn to to satisfy our needs. That was the problem with gods all the way back then. You know, there's the, the story of the Israelites make, melting all their gold and turn it, making a golden calf. Why Moses was up getting the Ten Commandments you know, from God because they felt like God disappeared from us. He's not satisfying our needs right now. Let's make another God because maybe this God will satisfy our needs. Right? And we've made gods of a lot of things in America that we turn to satisfy our needs. Don't let those things become number one. In the book of Revelation, in the last book of the Bible, um, in chapter 2, there's these letters um, from God that are sent to all these different churches. It's kind of just a warning, and it's a good warning and reminder for us to read through those and go, okay, where am I headed in one of those directions? Right in verses 2 through 5 of chapter 2, it says, I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know that you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. Right? I, those sound like good things. Right? We read that and we're like, yeah, I want to be that type of person. But verse 4, it goes, but I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. I have one complaint, God says. You don't love me like you did at first. Right? Sometimes, and, and like I said, sometimes just because what the church taught, we do all the other things. Right? We, we, we do the habits. We make in the checklist. Right? We serve in church. We're, we're good people to those around us. But we've missed the first thing, and that was just being in love with God. And for you guys who have ever been in a relationship that's faded, maybe even a marriage or a dating relationship or even a friendship, right? It's like the sparks aren't there anymore, right? Or, you know, it's just like, I don't know, we just hung out and just didn't feel like we connected. We just have different things going on in lives. It's not you, it's me, you know. But that's basically what God was saying to his church. And I think that he would speak that word to many, many churches again today. That, hey, you might be going out and doing all the good things. But man, I just miss you. Just want you back in my life. Remember how much you used to love me? I want to remind you of your first love with God. If you could just close your eyes for a second. I want you to think back to that moment where you first gave your life to God. Maybe that, the relief you felt that you, you have another chance at life. That all your mistakes are being washed away and you get a fresh, clean slate to move forward. The love you felt knowing someone cared about you so much that they willingly gave their life for you. That there was nothing that would keep you away from them. That they came to break your chains that were holding you back in life. They set you free maybe from addictions, that he set you free from 
you know, all of the, the, the bad thoughts you used to have about yourself. And maybe for the first time you realized somebody loved you so much. Remember how you worshiped that day? Remember the tears that maybe were shed, the joy that was in your heart, how overwhelmed you were, how, how much you desired to spend time with him later? Imagine Jesus, the smile on his face as you ran to him. Imagine him wrapping you in his arms, telling you how much he loves you. That first love is what God wants us to have at all times. He wants us to be giddy for him, for our stomach to get butterflies when we come into his presence, when we hear from him in our devotional time. I want you to listen to this story from Luke 7. You can just keep your eyes closed. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. She knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him, so he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her, sin, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. Sometimes we forget just what Jesus has really done for us. We start to count up the things that we've done for Jesus and the things that we expected him to do for us. And we forget all the things that we've done that separated us from God at first and how Jesus already looked past all those things to die for us, to love us so much and keeps consistently, constantly giving us a new chance. And that those who have been forgiven much should love much. That woman wasted expensive perfume because God was worth more than that year plus of salary that perfume was worth. Just like we spend our money on food because we need it, this is what she was doing with God. He was worth everything to her. So she was willing to dump it all at his feet because she knew he is all that she needed. God is our portion. He will satisfy you. He should be the first thing you desire. And you should understand he's the only thing that satisfies. In 2024, let's re help him remain our first love. Maybe today you came in feeling empty and you've been searching to be satisfied. 
and you've been looking in many different places and you still don't feel satisfied. Well, it's time to turn to God, the only one who can truly satisfy. He created you. He knows your deepest, inmost longings. And he's the only one who can put something in there that will satisfy it. We're going to end with song here in just a moment. And I want you to spend time in that returning God to your number one. Remember how much you loved him that first time you came to him. As we sing, work on loving him with your heart. Let it feed your soul in the right way. And then serve him in strength. The song is called Nothing Else. It's a song that says nothing else but God will do. Feel free to stand, to sit, to kneel, come to the altar, whatever you need to do to just get back into being in love with God. Let's worship. You don't know
God, I pray that you would just come, God, that you would remind us of your love for us. God, that it would be a consistent reminder, God, that every night as we fall asleep, God, that we would be reminded of how much you loved us and the things you did for us that day. But as we woke up the, the next day, God, that we would be just excited to spend time with you, God. That we would realize that the breath we take each moment is a gift from you. Got another moment to spend time with our Creator, the one who loves us so much. God, I pray that we would begin to prioritize you and make you our preference this year. That you would be number one in our lives, the thing we turn to first, the thing that we look to to be satisfied. God, I pray that you would just come. God, that you would remind our hearts we love you, God, that we would consistently feed our souls so that we would desire you, God, that we would be in this relationship that is ongoing with you. God, that we would find ways to serve you, to, to be obedient to what you've asked of us because we love you back, because you love us. God, that we would take that love to the rest of the world around us, Turn the love back to you that you first loved us with. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. 
before we, you go today, um, I, I've posted up on uh, Facebook to give you guys kind of a heads up, but um, we're starting a 14-day fast um, as a church to, to do together, um, preferably to start today, but for some of you guys, you're like, just getting the memo, uh, so you can hop on with us today if you want, but um, tomorrow, and then we're going to go through um, until our anniversary, we'll break our fast together, celebrating our 10 years um, of being here as Generations Church, but the main goal of this fast is just to get us placing God number one in our life. Um, for those of you who have never fasted before, maybe you heard the word and you're like, I can fast food, like McDonald's, Burger King. Uh, no, like, that's not what we're talking about here. Uh, fasting is the idea of giving up something physically that we need or we think we need and replacing it with more time with Jesus. Um, Right, so usually it looks like giving up a meal or all your meals or a specific food type or something. Um, it's kind of like the dog illustration we talked about earlier, right? We, if we aren't feeding the dog from the worldly side, but we keep feeding it spiritually, it's going to cling tighter to the spiritual side. Now, I want you to understand that fasting does not cause God to love you more, right? That's impossible. He already loves you 100% already. Uh, but what it usually does is for us to allows us to experience him differently. Um, I like to think of it like um, if you have the faucet on it, you know, while you're washing your hands and you have the hot and cold both on full and you put your hands in there, it's like a nice lukewarm medium temperature. Um, but 100% cold, 100% of the hot is still there. But if you turn off the cold, now you're experiencing 100% of the hot all by itself. Right? It's not that God's choosing to love you more because you're fasting. It's because we turn off some of the world stuff that we need so we tend to experience God a little bit more intensive than we did before, right? And so, um, I don't know, it's kind of like those popular cleansing diets, you know, where you're like, I need to do this to, to get rid of the, the bad things in my body, right? Sometimes we, we fast because it's like getting rid of, like, the worldly things in our body and just being fully washed through with God. So I would encourage you guys to fast a minimum of, like, one meal a day, and replace that time with reading scripture or praying or worshiping, um, things like that. Now, if I know some people have health issues where you're like, if I do that, I die, um, then that's like a really good challenge for you. No, uh, okay, uh, find something else that you can do. I think, honestly, something that we really should all do is maybe look into fasting um, TV or social media or something that we spend a lot of time on and replace that with time with God instead. Um, and maybe you're feeling really brave and you're going to do both of those things. Um, that'd be really awesome as well. Um, but know that we're fasting together. You're not in this alone. It's going to feel like you're alone. And it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, when Jesus was fasting in the desert, Satan showed up and was like, you know, I'm going to make it even harder for you. And uh, so sometimes it's going to feel a little bit harder because, man, Satan's not going to be happy that we're making these decisions to put God first. Okay, so um, as you make that, know you're not alone. Reach out to other people and say, man, it's really hard today. And they'll be like, yeah, it's really hard for me too. And um, then you can pray for each other. You can hang out with Jesus together. Now, on like every other seat or so is um, this paper that has like some prayer points to be praying for during that time. It has a spot for you to write down like your own personal prayer points through that. I would encourage you to take this and put it wherever you're going to spend time with God or stick it in your Bible or whatever it is that you would keep coming back to so you can pray those points. And then on the other side, it has um, some different ways to fast. 
um, things that you could choose from um, to separate from for the 14 days. Um, but then it also has some just good keys to fasting and prayer, um, things like remembering gratitude um, because you're going to be like, God, why don't you just let me eat this food? And, uh, but you can be thankful for all the other things he's done in your life. Remembrance, right? This is a great time to reflect back on last year and see all the good things that God did in your life. Um, it's also a good time in the prayer area. Like, what are you really seeking God for this year? Um, put it there and start off your year praying for it, requesting it from God. And then set an expectation that what you pray for, we will receive. You know, and I, there's prayer requests on here about our church and about our community about our city because well, we really like Noah saying like 2024 we believe in God for some big things in our community and uh, we're going to be talking a lot more about that come our anniversary thing so I just want to be seeding first in prayer you know and sowing in prayer um, into what God is going to do later this year so um, I'm excited to do these things with you guys and uh, I'm also excited for the rest of this series um, next week we're going to talk more about what do those habits look like that feed our soul and how we can um, make them intentional habits in our lives so that we can um, stay close to God subconsciously, I guess, in kind of ways as well. So go and keep God number one today. Be blessed. We'll see you back here next week.